We have been duped by feminism, sexual liberation, and antidepressants. We have been told that we are powerful and free now as women, but we feel tired, wired, and bitter. We're mostly eating right, exercising, and meditating, wrangling to-do lists, and arranging playdates, and yet there's a haunting hollowness beneath the huge complaints. What if I told you that there is a huge storehouse, a reservoir of energy inside of you that has not been tapped, that you could feel light and pulsing, excited and alive in ways that a wellness lifestyle cannot deliver, that you could trust yourself, that the world could feel safe and that unexpected and expected delights could start to illuminate your path. No coach, therapist, doctor, or guru required. Just you learning to get real, present, and attentive with you. I feel like I'm here to matchmake your inner parts for the greatest love affair ever written. I want to help you learn first where you're buying eggs from the hardware store, which is the source of all pain. I want to help you master entering through the upset, which is the only spiritual practice you'll ever need and to get real comfortable putting on your villain crown, which is, in my opinion, the key to true power. And then you'll attune to your inner yes so you can live the life defined by the specific pleasure of who you are. I am so excited to announce my latest book called The Reclaimed Woman, which is available for pre-order now. So if you head to the link in show notes, you can learn more about bonuses, events, and companion offerings. And I cannot wait to see your gorgeous face on the path. I'm Dr. Kelly Brogan. You may know me as a New York Times bestselling author of a book with an exploding pill on the cover, renegade psychiatrist, pole dancer, or honorary member of the Disinformation Dozen. What can I say? I'm a born provocateur. I've spent most of my recent life exposing deceptions, connecting dots, and discovering the secret places my inner victim is still waiting to be liberated. And now I feel called to help you reclaim all of your parts, your health, your sexuality, your power, and your expression so that you can finally truly own yourself. I want to ignite in you that inner knowing and the pulsing vitality that lives beneath your disempowerment, disconnection, and resentment so that you can audaciously, courageously, and playfully alchemize your struggle into the specific pleasure of who you are. This is Reclamation Radio, a Soul Fire production. Hi, and welcome back to Reclamation Radio. I am Dr. Kelly Brogan, and today I would like to muse on the subject of faith and specifically the fertility of a crisis of faith. What becomes possible in a crisis of faith? I had the opportunity over my decade plus of private practice to 
bear witness to, it's really the honor to bear witness to this charnel ground, this moment of decimation, this rupture of empathy, where that which we thought was invested in our well-being has now been exposed to have forsaken us. And this can manifest in the form of all sorts of devastating occurrences, illness, loss, divorce, even longing for the seemingly impossible to come. And it just isn't coming. And we start to tell the story that it never is coming. The victim narratives that subtend these crises and that lead us to navigate adversity from a posture of disempowerment often ride the underlying beliefs that I am flawed. So I'm damaged goods. I'm broken. That's why this is happening. And also that I am unique, right? That this is something that is happening to me because I am specifically who I am. I am exceptional in this way. And it doesn't happen to other people because they're not. But this crisis of faith represents the opportunity to meet the divine spark within, to reclaim it, and also to begin to develop an intimate relationship to the source of that spark without, and to shed the identity that was keeping your divine relationship at bay. I often say that these moments of expansion, growth, and personal evolution require the sacrifice of that which you formerly thought you would die without. And often it is the persona that is keeping you in your secular, atheistic skepticism and this victim consciousness that says, you do not deserve, you are not worthy, you are not held, and this is not a benevolent universe that you are walking in. So if you know me, you know that I am a massive David Data fan, and I recently purchased and listened to, I thought I had listened to every single recording of his, but I just came across one that I had missed. And it in many ways relates to what I want to talk about today. And he discusses and talks about in this interview, actually, this kind of a crisis as it manifests for men. But of course, I could very deeply relate. And just to sort of set the backdrop for a lot of what he teaches, he talks about the masculine essence experience as being defined by freedom and the pursuit of freedom and its antithesis, feeling trapped. So the masculine is either free or trapped, whereas the feminine is either loved or unloved. And the masculine is seeking emptiness, the freedom that comes through that void, while the feminine is seeking fullness and connection. So he talks about how often we progress through these stages. And one of the characterizations of this progression is that first we are interested in more. So more money, more connections, more understanding, more status. Then we are interested in better, right? So we begin to have the things, right? And we have the house, we have the relationship. So we want the better house. We want better communication with our partner. 
But then he describes how we, and I guess specifically men, get to this point of having acquired the better things and achieving all of these external trappings of seeming fulfillment, but then beginning to experience the pain of form and the pain inherent in simple human experience, inclusive of everything, right? And he talks about how suicidality can arise from this place, this existential moment, because it is a yearning for the seeming nothingness that would become available through death. So in this existential crisis, a man is actually presented with an opportunity to access his inner divinity through his consciousness, to begin to plumb the depths of his being through a new approach to reality. And so he recommends that, you know, in this moment of pain, a man would begin to cultivate solitude, stillness, and the practice of awareness of awareness. And that through that, he could connect to that and open that divine channel. And I think that that is so relevant to the existential crisis that so many of us face when we encounter the exposure to our own disconnection from God. Many say that we must come back around to make peace with the God that we were raised with, especially if you have rejected that paradigm. So I was raised Catholic by my father and my mother was an atheist. And while I attempted to secure approval and connection by being a good Catholic girl and going to CCD and mass, I decided for reasons I actually don't recall and can't really bring myself back into the vivid memory of not to be confirmed. So I decided not to be confirmed and entered into an era of atheism in my own lifescape. And this atheism was a perfect gateway drug for my subsequent scientism and devotion to the cult of medical allopathy. So my awakening process that attended my births and the rupture that I experienced with the same medical system I had devoted myself to when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis also ushered forth within me an openness to spirituality. And so I evolved from my atheistic scientism-based belief system into a fairly conventional new age perspective on the divine nature of this realm. I trained in Kundalini yoga and even tried on aspects of Sikhism for the duration of my training and found a lot of beauty in that space. And also a lot of the structuring elements of devotional practice, right? A pre-dawn sadhana and the fulfillment that I experienced conforming to certain types of spiritual discipline. The thing is <laughs> that I became a believer in the universe, quote unquote, right? And how it is that I can manifest what it is that I want through certain kinds of self-improvement practices. And I was living in a spiritual meritocracy 
where the bad things that happened were a reflection of my spiritual immaturity or badness or misalignment. And the good things that happened were some sort of cookie-like reward. And at the heart of this is still my will. I am still in charge. Kelly is still essentially God. And of course that is true, right? Of course that is true. And it also doesn't feel good (laughs) to live in a world where I have full dominion rather than a co-creative divine experience with potentially a larger energy field outside of myself. So I had effectively outgrown my atheism, but I was still living in a world and a realm of fixing and doing. I remember (laughs) Nick Gonzalez, my mentor, wrote me once in an email. He wrote, I approach atheism the way I approach adolescent acne as a phase many go through that is meant to be outgrown, discarded, and forgotten. And he was a Christian and a biblical scholar. And I remember at the time finding that intellectually fascinating that he would spend this time devoting himself to this study, but also like experiencing it as like a bit quaint, right? Like, why is that necessary? And recently in my life, as was predicted, you know, by that sentiment that you are invited at a certain point to revisit that which you have rejected in terms of definitions and paradigms of godliness. Christianity has entered my field through many, many different vectors. And this is something that I actually haven't, apart from, you know, my experience of Nick's relationship to his own, you know, religious belief system hadn't really even thought about, hadn't devoted any energy to, and has come into my field very strongly recently. And not only because of my interest in BDSM and the polarity dynamics therein and consensual hierarchy, where I have considered the fact that Christian women walk the earth believing, to my best understanding, that there is a dominant masculine field of energy all around them. This energy is trustworthy. It is safe. It is benevolent and loving. It's sacred. This energy has got them. They can rest their beautiful feminine form into this God energy that is all around them at any moment in all moments, right? So these women on a nervous system level are way better off (laughs) than the rest of us in, you know, the spiritual community who are frantically cobbling together, you know, manifestation boards and saying all the right incantations and affirmations and fundamentally walking the earth in charge to an extent that is imbalanced and non-dyadic, that there is something to the dyad with a masculine deity or triune that confers whatever are the gifts of submission. And I'm sure this is not the case, obviously only for this one denomination, but confers the gifts of submission to the female followers. So if I am a woman who wants to be domed, but I am walking the earth, doming in my own existential experience, 
one of the ways to properly organize that hierarchically is to have a dom that is in the spiritual dimensions, right? To me, this makes a lot of sense. So as I've been exploring Christianity, because, you know, once I see and hear about something three times, that is the indicator that it's time to dive in and begin to open myself to exploration that absolutely occurred. And, you know, I am going to a church in Miami (laughs) in a few weeks with a friend of a friend. I've been binging Eric Dubé, you know, biblical truths and interpretations. I've been watching Jordan Peterson with his, you know, biblical lecture series. I've been learning about the Aramaic Jesus from Neil Douglas Klotz. I have been taking a deep dive into you know, of course, some of the truthing around, you know, Jesus Christ and the, the man, the myth, the legend, but also the religion of Christianity versus the messaging therein. And this is in a broader landscape, a context that I am referring to as the neutralization of rejection. So if I am committed as I am to ending controversy, in my own life and to alchemizing my victim stories into properly energetically organized polarities within and without, and really experiencing my own sovereign power. This is just another example of something that I have rejected that I can come into neutrality with. So I've had this experience around food, I recorded a whole podcast on maturing my food boundaries around activism, around money, and around the concept of marriage. This is another opportunity that I have to come into neutrality. And it doesn't mean to swing into the embrace. It just means to open myself to curiosity and to resolve a sense of superiority, especially that I may have had over those who practice religion. Right. So I have said, especially as an atheist, that those who are religious are really subscribing to some sort of Santa Claus like fairy tale that is a self soothing mechanism that can allow them to navigate life without actually, you know, growing a spine (laughs) and looking it dead in the eyes. So that superiority is not something I want to bring with me into this next phase of my life. So how can I be curious enough, lean in enough, and explore the dimensions within me that are actually quite receptive to that, which I imagined I was better than. I'm going to pause here for a quick second. If you are into the topic of man, woman relating polarity and what the reclamation of Eros has to do with holistic health, then I invite you to check out and download my free ebook on the subject at the link below and to also check out a blog I wrote that goes deeper into the subject of BDSM, some of the science supporting it, and why these reframes and tools may be exactly what the world needs to move out of confusion, resentment, and victimhood and into personal empowerment and pleasure. Hope that helps. So I am personally not at this point, very susceptible to a crisis of faith that would come through, you know, my health or some sort of financial challenges or logistical lifescape dramas. However, as I prepare myself for 
healthy love at this phase in my life. I, of course, wrestle with the uncertainty that so many single folks <laughs> experience. And the uncertainty sounds something like, is my partner actually out there? Am I worthy of healthy love? And again, have I been forsaken? Look at all these people who get to experience this and I am going to die alone with my cats kind of a thing. So of course, I've spoken extensively about how I have chosen a path of celibacy for the past, you know, several years, <laughs> not quite two years at this recording. And it has conferred extraordinary benefits, mostly the development of a level of intimacy with my own sexual energy, my own eros. I have come to unlock creative gifts, whether that's through, you know, dance or sewing or singing. And also I have desecreted a lot of spaces where, you know, shame was hiding in my sexuality and even my mothering. Probably one of the areas I have a recorded masterclass called victimless mothering. One of the areas that I have really humbled myself in a way that would not have been available when I was not physiologically capable of holding shame energy, perhaps because I was in a pattern of relational sexuality and in a pattern of relating to my own inner dimensions selectively, I didn't have a lot of practice holding shame. And in the past you know, year or so, holding shame has been a practice, right? Entering through the upset has been a practice. And this window has been extraordinarily powerful. I recommend, you know, celibacy to anyone who is, especially any woman who is really interested in deepening her intimacy with her own vital force energy. So I've come to see this moment in my own life journey as an opportunity for me to connect to God. So in my spiritual world, there isn't really a God. I haven't really used the word, certainly not a personified, you know, singularity. <laughs> there is a sort of, you know, the universe does this thing, the cosmos does this thing, and there is a navigating that ultimately has a point of reference within me and only within me. So if I am going to come into dyadic relationship, if I'm going to feel held in my process, if I am going to surrender, right? This magical word, if I am going to surrender to that which is destined for me and also recognize the choice points, then it's a moment for me to deepen my understanding of who God is to me and what God is to me and the framework that we all are finding ourselves sitting in. So recovering from the feminist programming that good men don't exist, that trustworthy men don't exist, that men are toxic, right? And mostly to be managed or avoided. The recovery from that has been holofractal because I have had the opportunity to develop a respectful and admiration-based <laughs> reference for my own inner masculine, 
right? To come into comportment towards my own inner masculine that is balanced and harmonious and that allows for the divinity of this dimension of myself, this inner king. I have had the opportunity to end the war with men on the outside, which I discuss in a lot of my early podcasts and to no longer speak ill of men, to show them appreciation and respect and to really look at the fear that I have of a man killing me, punishing me, the consequences for the expression of my vital force energy. And what's left is in that whole of fractal dimensionality is my comportment towards the masculine in the divine realm, my comportment towards and submission to God. So somehow believing that this life partner, this soul partner is out there for me is synonymous with believing in God. Those track together and you can insert the material and content of your crisis into this, right? Believing that your body has the power to heal, believing that you can have an ecstatic birth, you know, believing that your financial struggles can spontaneously resolve themselves through a gift from on high. Believing in all of this is synonymous with believing in God. It is synonymous with the engagement of the benevolence that is holding you and the experience of divine design. So I thought it would be interesting to share a depiction of, I thought about sharing a recording of it, but I think that it wouldn't really translate well, of a parts work session that I had recently. And I am very, very passionate about parts work, about family constellation, because it is unlike recruitment of clairvoyance, right? Whom I have enjoyed over the years and have deep, deep respect for the gifts that so many clairvoyants have and my own capacity to access that, you know, at some point in my life through some process of self alignment. In my recent experience, there has been this subtle reification of a lack of trust in my own intuition, a lack of trust in my own process. Anytime I have recruited a tarot reader or, you know, any sort of Akashic reader or any sort of reader, right? And so in lieu of that, I have found parts work and family cancellation to provide me the only insight into my own inner landscape and the unseen dimensions of my psyche that I need. So I had a parts work session scheduled just, gosh, it was yesterday. And I never know what I'm going to work on until right before the session. And I had spent some time with my mom. And she said to me, as we were talking about, you know, just sort of what's up with me, you know, she said, well, I just like, I don't know how you're going to meet a man in Miami. <laughs> There's all sorts of embedded meaning in that. And I found myself, you know, she said this with the best intentions and with uh, that I could perceive and, and really just conversationally, right? It wasn't like meant to be a hex or condemning or, or anything like that. But I found myself playing like a spiritual devil's advocate where I was like, you know what? I just, I know 
that my destiny is written and I know that this is what I incarnated for and to experience. And I know that it's coming. And, you know, there are so many different avenues that we can encounter new individuals or transform existing relationships and don't worry about it. As I said that, I felt myself acting, right? Like I felt the pretend energy in that. And I wonder if any of you who have come through atheism to spirituality ever have that experience where you're interacting with somebody who has doubts about life and is expressing those doubts to you. And you find yourself sort of playing the, you know, it's all the way it's meant to be. Everything is perfect card, but like yourself, not fully believing it. And I do think that when we are triggered by those who don't share our worldview, those who don't share our beliefs, it's actually because we ourselves don't fully believe. Otherwise, why would we be triggered? So I decided to do a parts work session on this experience of my own lack of faith, my own lack of belief, and specifically the pretending <laughs> that I do believe, the wanting to believe on some level, right? So here's how it goes. With parts work, you enter into a feeling state, right? So I was brought back to that moment of that interaction and I felt what came up in my body. And I shared any images that were associated with the feeling. So I felt the feeling in like the top of my stomach and the image that came to me when I was feeling that wanting to believe what I was saying to my mom was this little girl in like business clothing, right? Like she's wearing like adult business clothing. And often in parts work, you're then invited to share how it is that you feel towards that part. And there you meet another part. So how I felt towards that part was embodied by this image of like a, this cool, glistening, gleaming cylinder off to the right of my body. And this cylinder had this very stable, grounded, still secure energy. And the cylinder was not judgmental or reactive. It was stating matter-of-factly, that's just silly. That's just silly. And it's really not true. And when I was asked how I felt about the cylinder part, I met another part. And this other part was red and like tenderly and kind of like wild, hysterical. And this part was very emotional and was blaming the cylinder part and saying that cylinder part is the cause of all the problems. That cylinder part is the problem at the root of your, you know, singlehood, if you will. And the eradication of that cylinder is going to bring us exactly where we want to be delivered. So here is assembled a triangle of parts. The little girl part with her, you know, adult business clothes, the truth-telling cylinder part, and the reactive, emotional, red, tenderly blaming part. <laughs> okay. So an additional part, additional aspect of internal family systems is to interrogate a part for its positive intent and its purpose, right? So I was asked, 
to describe what the cylinder part imagines would happen if the cylinder part stopped telling the truth, doing its job, holding its space. And by the way, I am not like somebody who channels consciously, actively, right? Or whatever happens in the parts workspace is shocking to me, right? It's, it's like plant medicine level visuals. It's a shocking unfoldment. What becomes available to me? Like what I am depicting now is extraordinary to me as it's happening, that it is available. And I do think like family constellation, there is something in the intentionality. There is something in the field that allows for these intuitive expressions to reveal what is within. So anyway, I am exploring what the cylinder part thinks would happen if the cylinder part stopped doing its job of telling the truth. And the cylinder part basically is like, look at these fools, right? What would happen is that little girl in adult clothing and that hysterical red tenderly blob would be you, right? Emotional, pretending silliness. Okay. So you're welcome that I'm here to keep you calm and stable and reliable and organized and clear. And as I was saying this, I started crying and the tears came from this acknowledgement that this part has been responsible for my entire defensive structuring for my as David Data would say, masculine shell, that this part is the one that has made it so that I have never freaked out in my life. I have never had a freak out in my life. I've always been the one in control, cool, calm, stable. I mean, it's not to say that I haven't yelled in my life, but however, I have not embodied the red tenderly part and when I encounter that pretend part, which I did in that, in that moment with my mom, I pretend that I'm not pretending. <laughs> so there is not intimacy with what it is to be that part and what that part's energy is and what the pretending part imagines would happen if she stopped acting as if, right? So I started crying and I was prompted to acknowledge the possibility that there is a blending of parts that's the cylinder has another part inside of the cylinder. And as I was invited to separate these parts, this smaller entity <laughs> was removed from the cylinder and the cylinder began to dissolve as I focused on this smaller, like child-like energy, right? So when I have retrieved what are called exiles through parts work, and by the way, I have a full video therapy session, like depiction in the sovereignty series that maybe at some point I will render in this podcast. Although that's like a, the visuals are probably somewhat important. I don't know. Anyway, maybe they're not. Regardless, I talk about the exiles that I have, have reclaimed connection with. And they are like these little girl parts that want to dress up in two, basically everything that I'm doing in my past couple of years, want to have like long, pretty nails and dress up in tutus. And they want to play with cats and chickens and, you know, explore life. And this was very different. However, it was a childlike energy initially, and then it became freaky, scary, and started to grow these like quills. <laughs> Okay, I know this sounds really wild. 
started to grow these quills. And I found myself feeling almost repulsed. And as I shared this, it was described by my therapist that probably this part still needs a defense. So this part was hiding in the cylinder, the protector of the cylinder. And when I removed it, it grew literal quills so as to protect herself. So I was invited to offer protection. So I put this like, I love opalescent everything. So I put this like opalescent bubble around this child part. And what happened then was extraordinary. So what happened then was that I witnessed this morphing feminine divinity inside of this bubble. It was like all of the faces of the goddess, right? Like all of the energies of the divine feminine. I do not use that phrase lightly. I actually find a lot of cringe in that phrase these days. However, that's, that's all that I can describe what was actually happening. It was, it was like every glorious woman's face was morphing one into another, into another with halos and wings and all of this radiant energy, you know, moving in this bubble. And I was for moments in rapture, like in, in total rapture with this part of myself that I had just reclaimed access to and how I interpreted this. <laughs> so I, I was invited to put her into any part of my body, put her into my heart. And how I interpreted this was that is what the reclamation of the divine spark, the God within me <laughs> is about, because it is not believing, right? It's not choosing to believe or having faith. It is the rapture <laughs> with that divine energy that is within me, my feminine essence that requires the polarity of the masculine without, right? That animated masculine energy of God outside of me, that is the sacred dyad. And the restructuring of that through this, you know, very secular psychological practice was one of the more profound therapeutic experiences that I've had in recent times. And that is saying something. <laughs> and I do believe that we were designed to find God through polarity, the feminine essence and the masculine holding, or as data would say, the play of consciousness and love. And that we can come to deeply know that our desires matter in the face of all that would seek to disturb that channel of knowing. So just thought I'd drop that little share in your lap. <laughs> I will speak with you soon. <laughs>